Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Draft and develop. Aside from some swings and misses in the free agent market in recent years, that's pretty much always been the Colorado Rockies organizational philosophy. And they haven't always been very good at it. Currently, most analysts rank Colorado's farm system among the weakest in Major League Baseball. So what's the biggest problem? Is it drafting or is it developing? One guy who can offer some insight on all this is MLB.com's Jonathan Mayo. And this week, he joins Manny and me to talk all about the Rockies farm system, including who the best prospect might be, and when we can expect any of these guys to help at the big league level. Hint, it's not as soon as you'd like. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. We're back with Jonathan Mayo right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. This time of year, many, uh, we're usually gearing up to talk about big league spring training, but we're going to end up talking about minor league stuff today. Minor league spring training will get going. The Rockies will roll out a farm system that still ranks near the bottom of major league baseball as far as overall performance with a farm system. And we've got a guest today that can expand on that for us. Yep. We've got Jonathan Mayo. He is, uh, he and Jim Callis are the two guys you want to talk to about anything related to top prospects in, uh, in baseball. And he is, uh, they run our uh, MLB pipeline uh, content. They are our senior guys there. And we've got, we had Jim Callis on uh, earlier on uh, during this, uh, one of our earlier podcasts. And now we've got Jonathan. Jonathan, thanks for having, uh, for being here. And we're, we really appreciate having you. I just reject being called senior anything. So careful. Young man. <laughs> I just got to say, man, I got to say, um, I, I don't know good. if you saw the Hellman's commercial. Um, yeah, I'm suing, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to, I can't believe I was not asked to be part of that. I was going to say like, where did they, did they not call you? You're the most famous Mayo. I know. I don't know. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a prospect in the Orioles system. His name is Kobe Mayo and he and I have already connected and I, Told him I'm letting everyone know that he's my nephew. We are not related in any way. <laughs> and I asked Manny okay. about the, the famous uh, joke in, in airplane. You know, yeah. give me ham on five and hold the mail. Yeah. That's right. Hold sure. the mail. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah. I mean, or I mean, of officer and a gentleman. Manny, I'm sure you you've heard of all that yeah. film. That was a long time ago, but his 
the the uh, the main character's name is Mayo, and Lou Gossett Jr. is the drill sure. sergeant. Keeps calling him mayonnaise over and over again. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I've heard that a few times. Yes, I imagine. Well, let's talk <laughs> about more important stuff. Um, sure. First of all, before we talk about the Rockies farm system, explain how you rank farm systems. Explain to, to fans um, who may not understand why the Rocky system ranks. So there's an ebb and flow to this too, right? Year by year. We basically go to the highest bidder. So whoever gives us the most money. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, it, there's definitely ebb and flow. It's, it's, it's extremely hard to maintain a top-notch farm system year after year after year, uh, especially if you're, you know, in a smaller market or, you know, or you're winning. Cause typically if you're competing, then you use those pieces to trade for big league pieces. So it, 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 does make it more difficult. Now, I think there are some organizations that ha have kind of found the secret sauce, um, you know, that do it better. But uh, typically when we're ranking farm systems, it's a, a combination of elite level talent um, and depth uh, to sort of boil it down to, you know, something in, in a nutshell. Uh, and, and you can have a, a strong farm system without having any like top, top notch guys, hmm. but you better be really deep. Um, and yeah. the combination of the two is what makes, you know, the, the guys that we, the organizations we rank at the top tend to have both of those things. Yeah. And is that, and I'm just going to go right to it, uh, Jonathan, is that why the Rockies don't rank? Is that one of the main chief factors, the depth issue with the Rockies? Because most of their talent, if you look at the top 30 on their list are in the low level minors, they're very, there's nobody in the, in double, there's not many much in double A AA and triple A in terms of the top, at uh, the top prospect. It seems like they're bottom heavy in that sense. Yeah. I mean, and we, we, we try to take that into account because, you know, for us, it's all about like, well, five, six, seven years down the line who are going to be the best players. Right. Um, and that's another thing that, you know, that can be cyclical also. Um, so it, it's, I don't know for me, like, having big league ready players or close to big league doesn't matter as much. Now, okay. obviously if a guy is succeeding in double and triple a, there's much more likelihood of them being good big leaguers. So guys in low a and has a good year. You, you, sure. you think, you know, but you don't, you don't know. I, I think the biggest thing for the Rockies is yes. Uh, the guys are lower down and there's still some, you know, question marks, even guys who have some intriguing, you know, tools or, or, uh, pitches or whatever it is that there there's too many things that you don't know and then you know if you look at their top 30 and i'm actually you know working on their their new top 30 now uh there's kind of a drop off um you know after the after the very very top you know uh yeah and, and there isn't that much you know in terms of elite level you know right now to me there's only one guy um but uh you know there's some other guys who are sort of inching in that direction, but we'll have to wait and see. The Rockies have, have labeled themselves a draft and development organization. So where's the weakness there? Is it in drafting or in developing? That's a good question. I mean, I, I, it's funny because they do have a reputation. They're often a very homegrown organization yeah. um, when they've been successful and when they haven't. So I, I think that, uh, you know, they had some, drafts go awry and you know when you pick high in the draft you don't want to miss right. uh, and they missed with riley pint and uh that's a hole uh and that one guy doesn't make or break a farm system but typically if say you're struggling and you're you know you're rebuilding and you pick that high you want to use that as a catapult to really st start to bolster your farm system and it doesn't mean that you're not producing big leaguers uh you know they're oh, across baseball there have been times 
you know, like the Chicago White Sox when they kind of pushed before this latest rebuild before those like, Oh, there's no one really that good in the farm system yet. They keep getting these guys in the big leagues and, and then they're competing. So one, we get things wrong Two, you get guys who get up, but don't become stars. Um, you know, I think with the, with the Rockies, uh, they, you know, they just missed a couple of times and, you know, you do that enough, you know, a couple of times uh, with picking that high uh, or high picks or, you know, how they spend internationally. If those guys don't pan out, then that, you know, it's uh, you end up paddling upstream uh, a little bit too much. I think the frustrating part for Rockies fans is that you look back at, at the, the last decade and you see that all the guys who came up through the Dodgers, Dodgers draft near the bottom all the time. And yet all the rock, rock, Dodgers are push, pushing through all these big-time guys and becoming Rookie of the Year candidates and all that. Um, and those are all guys the Rockies could have drafted and passed on. And is that because of money? They didn't want to pay signing bonuses? Or is that because of they, the valuation wasn't right? I think it, you know, it depends on, on the situation. You know, I think the Dodgers are willing to take more risks. Um, you know, it's one of those two, right? What? Yeah. And can afford to, right? Right. That's the thing, you know, you know, the Dodgers, you know, it always, I used to marvel at say like the Yankees being like very conservative for a while in the draft. I'm like, this is one organization that can pay to make up for mistakes in, in, in drafting or developing. Um, You don't want to do that always as they, they showed, you know, when their farm system thinned out, that's when they kind of hit a lull and they're, they're sort of uh, recommitting themselves to a strong farm system has enabled them to, to be, to be better whether those guys make it up to the big leagues or their trade pieces, uh, you know, I, the draft is such a, a crapshoot. Like I, you know, I'm not going to pick just on the Rockies because, you know, there are a lot of guys who are starring for the Dodgers now that many teams passed on. It wasn't just the Rockies that passed on them. And whether it was, you know, a, a guy coming off of Tommy John surgery or, you know, or taking a, a risk on a, on a high school arm or, or a high school player, um, you know, it just, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams that, that swung and missed in that. And that happens every year and, you know, in the draft where guys are just undervalued and, uh, you know, that's why you have, you know, guys headed to the hall of fame who were, you know, eighth round draft picks, you know, it's, it, it is such an inexact science. So I don't, you know, I don't want to pile on the Rockies, you know, per se, but you know, they, they've made some mistakes. I think they last couple of drafts they've been a little bit better in that regard how so in particular well i mean i think it's just you know, some of the players they brought in seem to actually be you know good um and <laughs> that always uh, helps and and right and and you know and and interesting now we'll see you know um you know they've they've gone the sort of high school hitter route and i, I which i think is is smart um you know and uh, you know, I think Zach, Zach Veen has a chance to be that elite level guy that, you know, that I was talking about before. Um, we'll see what happens with Benny Montgomery, who they, you know, they just, they just drafted last year, but he's, you know, cut a little bit from the same cloth. And, um, you know, I think they've shown over the years, probably since the beginning, like they've been much better at drafting and developing hitters. You know, it's, it's always been that sort of uh, lost arc of being able to develop your own homegrown pitchers and they've done it in fits and bursts, but I think, you know, that doesn't mean you stop drafting pitching, but I think you can outsmart yourself uh, sometimes. And I, I like that they've gone with the, that, that high school hitter uh, the last couple of times. And then some of the international guys they have, you know, look very promising as well, but 
to your point, Manny, you know, these are guys who are still pretty far away. I mean, I think Zach Veen has a chance to be really, really good. He's not played above low A yet. So let's, you know, let's wait and see. Full full disclosure. I feel opposite. I feel like college guys are the way to draft. Tracy Ringlesby and I argue this all the time. I look at Todd Helton and Troy Tulowitzki and Jason Jennings and the best drafts the Rockies ever had are college guys. And I just, after having a guy like Todd Hilton play in front of 60,000 people in a football game, you kind of know what kind of person you're getting, not just what kind of player you're getting. Sure. You've answered a lot, of, a lot of questions when you draft these college guys. Um, high school kids, I mean, come on. It's seven years until you're going to see them. And, and you also you have know. to, you have to, full disclosure, you also have to talk about what you do on the side here. Well, I'm a high school kid. You have, you have, I'm you have a high school, school coach you, and I don't want you have, my your kids. high school coach. So you, I do you, not you, have any kids in my high school team that are going to go straight to professional. <laughs> so you, 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 you're biased because you're so out. frustrated well, with and, your and guys. Don't, you know? don't get I'm, me wrong, Mark. Like, I, I think, especially when it comes to pitching, you, you are correct. Um, and I'm not saying that just because we're on a Rockies podcast right. and Riley Pint, you know, didn't right. pan out. Um, you know, there is every bit of evidence that taking a high school pitcher in the first round is not smart. You know, yeah. yes, there are exceptions to that rule, the, the Clayton Kershaw's of the world. But um, I think that, uh, you know, by and large, it's just not worth going that route. I think if there is a college hitter, then that that's, you know, the data oh, shows that, that that is the safest yeah. pick. Yeah. But high school hitters tend to do well also i mean it's you know it's still you know, not as large a percentage as you would think you know, for guys in the first round but I, I think what the rockies have done the last couple of years is they took who they thought was the best player and when you're picking that high to me that's what you should do unless you know all things are equal or it's close and you're going to save money and then you can aggressively go after guys later on in the draft you know, I think last year, you know, here in, in Pittsburgh, that's what the Pirates did. But they also really liked Henry Davis, the guy they took number one overall. You know, th- there wasn't a slam dunk guy who, like, no doubt about it, has to be the 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 number one pick. There wasn't, you know, you know, an Adley Rushman or Bobby Witt, and they went one two in you know in the same draft. But those guys would have been one one if they had been in separate drafts, you know, in different years. That didn't exist. So all things being equal, then maybe you look at the the money and you play with the bonus pool and things like that. But if you're picking, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, um, we, you know, where the Rockies have picked, uh, to me, you take the best player. Um, and, and again, if you save some money and all things are equal, it's fine. But I think that's what they did, both with Zach Veen and Benny Montgomery. What was it? Two, was it the year before COVID, the draft? The Rockies drafted all college guys? The entire draft was college guys? I want to say it was either, either 19 or, or 20. The draft well, 20 was the shortened draft, right. so they would have only had five picks. Maybe 2018, they did all college guys. It was that, the, yeah. Um, Is that yeah, because I mean, you want guys up coming up sooner? I mean, you just don't you want you don't want to be bottom heavy. You know, I, I, you'd, you'd have to ask them what their philosophy was there. Sometimes it's like, well, this is what we thought the strength of the class was, and mm-hmm. so that's the right now. Um, you know, the Angels did that this last year. The, they ever all, I think they took 20 college pitchers. Wow. Uh, I mean, I've never seen anything like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that was wow. that's like going wow. I mean, not far. insane given their problems, but yeah, 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 I know. You yeah, know, like, listen, a... I know you can never have too much pitching, and you know, yeah. presumably a college pitcher will get there a little bit faster. But right. um, that was, you know, kind of a, an extreme example. You know, they may have thought like, well, we really need to get guys to the big leagues faster, given where we're at, and we think that there's some good value in the college pitching. But uh, to take that in every single round, yeah was a wow. little bit strange, uh, a little bit strange to me. Generally speaking, um, just kind of a, if you can give 
our listeners kind of an overview of the pros and cons of both pitcher and position player hitter, in other words, um, college versus prep and vice versa. Sure. I mean, you know, we'll start with the high school pitcher because that is the biggest risk. Uh, and for, I think for the obvious reasons, you know, some of which, you know, to Mark's point, right. You haven't seen these guys, you know, maybe, you know, there are more and more showcases. And I think that gap has shrunk a little bit in terms of, well, can they compete against really good talent? Uh, because the top on guys a big stage you've seen. Yeah. yeah. And, but it's still not in a huge stadium with 50,000 people, uh, you know, unless they happen to play for team USA yeah. in international competition, um, which would certainly serves a purpose, but between that and the injury risk, um, you know, there have been too many guys who, um, you know, who just don't make it, you know, because of, because of the injuries, you know, you don't know what they're going to turn into. It's a huge leap in terms of workload. Even if you treat them carefully, the game has changed somewhat now where I think teams are being more and more careful to try to bring them along. But, you know, so it's, it's, um, so that, that's the biggest risk. I think high school hitters, you know, for the, for the most part, I don't think there's as much risk other than the fact that there's for those, you know, the competition and they're so young and you don't, you know, you don't know what they're not even physically mature yet. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Uh, and then the college game, it's really, really more about, you know, experience. Uh, it's interesting because college hitters are probably the quote unquote safest bet. And it's not I think it's like, I know, 45, 50% make it. It's not uh, first rounders, right? right? If that, so it's still not a huge percentage, but these are the guys I think over the last say decade or so major league baseball scouting departments have done a fantastic job of identifying the best high school hitters and drafting and signing them. So the guys who end up being the best college hitters were guys who weren't ready, right? They hadn't, you know, had a growth spurt. They hadn't you know, gotten into their man strength. So it's kind of interesting to think that like, uh, you know, a, a guy who goes on to become a really good college hitter, you know, may not have even been drafted. You know, there are exceptions. Matt McClain, the Reds first round pick out of UCLA last year was a first round pick at a high school, but that, that doesn't happen very often. Typically yeah. if a high school hitter gets taken, they sign, they're going to sign. Yeah. And uh, so it's sort of interesting to see that these guys, but then you see what they can do for, you know, three years at two, if they're draft eligible sophomores against top level competition in, you know, normally, you know, big full stadiums, uh, you know, pre pre pandemic times when things were kind of normal. You know, we might what, see what, something. What do you think has led to, sorry, Mark, what do you think has led to the, the, I just want to grab this sure. uh, now because it's kind of on topic. What do you think has led to the uh, improvement in uh, scouting hitters? Is it just the analytics? Is that, I think analytics helped and then, and then bringing some of that data to the high school, you know, the, the showcases and, okay. and, and those kinds of things, you know, travel ball things. And uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, so much a travel ball is paid to play. And I think yes. that's a huge problem with the game. Uh, maybe Very that's a topic so. for, for another podcast visit, Yeah, but yeah, we wouldn't get, we wouldn't get Mark stop. Uh, we can stop Mark on that. Yeah. We'll, we'll save that for, that for, for, yeah. for, for another time. I think we're probably kindred spirits on that Mark. Yes. But in terms of the the big huge showcases where the top talent comes, um, you know they're being evaluated. Uh, I think there are two things: the the data does come into play. Um, you're getting exit velocities, you're getting all these things that do help you evaluate 
whether or not, well, that swing is going to work, but you're also seeing them more for longer periods of time against good pitching. Um, you know, there are always guys who come from, you know, areas where you just don't, you aren't necessarily hotbeds, you know, like here I'm in, I'm in Pittsburgh. Uh, and there's a really interesting shortstop in next year's draft class. Who's probably going to be a first rounder, uh, in, um, Cole young. And, you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have seen him except in the Pittsburgh area. And with all due respect to my friend, Neil Walker, it's just not that good. You know, like I gotta, there's I gotta, some, I gotta there's some good players, up. but you know, it's just not, you're, you're, you're just as likely to face someone who's good or face like my son, who was a pitcher in high school and topped out at like 75 miles an hour. So it's like, it's hard to evaluate against that. Right. I have to bring this up now because it, he's out of that area. He's out of the Pittsburgh area, but Joe Namath, we just did a story um, for the, for the site today that he was, uh, the Cubs wanted to sign him out of high school and he's from Beaver Falls, you yep. know, so you know where that's at, but uh, close to Pittsburgh. And he talked about, um, <laughs> he talked about one day he's, uh, he's, he's walking up to the plate or whatever. And there's Tommy Lasorda and Tommy Lasorda scouting him out. And he's talking about how every time they, you know, they would meet later on in life, you would talk about that. But I had to bring that up because, you, you know, you talk about, you know, the dearth of talent, <laughs> talent maybe in that Pittsburgh area. And we had uh, Joe Namath who was playing for the, do they still have a WPIAL yeah. out there? Yeah. yeah. So he won the, he, he homered at Forbes Field and they won the championship. So if nothing else, there was at least Joe, Joe Namath. No, the, the, right. <laughs> I mean, that's really like, that's very close to here, but you, you stretch it out a little bit. I mean, if you want yeah. to it's like Ken Griffey is from, you know, Denora, yeah, which isn't right. that far. And, uh, but it's, it, it's but not overall, that there isn't, yeah. there, it's not that there yeah. isn't talent. And like, listen, like Wisconsin has become a hotbed for high school hitters, especially recently, which is, you know, surprising. Uh, but those guys are getting plugged in to the, into the showcase circuit. So they're going and, you know, getting to see what they can do against that top level of competition. Right. And so scouts, I think are getting a better idea of, okay, he can catch up to 98. Oh, he's recognizing a really good curveball as opposed to like a sort of ho-hum high school curveball, which might be right. good for the high school that they're at, but it doesn't tell you what you need to know about whether they can do it at the next level. A lot of guys who wouldn't get selected, right? Got seen, getting yeah. selected now right. because of that. That's great. I'm going to throw a change up at you. I can't hit a change up. Uh, I couldn't throw one. You so. might've been able to hit marks. Yeah. Cause it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> Ask Frank Thomas. College, college now, in college now, there's NIL, name, image, and likeness. I talk about this a lot on my other podcasts, my college sports podcast. Um, can you see a situation where a first-round draft pick, high school kid, first-round draft pick might, you know, Vanderbilt has signed him, but he's got a chance to go pro, but Vanderbilt says, wait a minute, we got this booster over here with this car dealership that says you get a car if you come and pitch for Vanderbilt. You know, I mean, is, do you think that could affect baseball like it's affected football and basketball? I don't think I know enough about the economic landscape in that end to, to know, like, I, I don't say, I, like, I don't know what's allowed. Well, in, basically in- everything's allowed. Basically, if, if, as long as the school's not attached to it, there aren't any rules anymore. So any booster of any sport can give anybody. I mean, you guys, I feel the story of the kid from Texas who went to Ohio state, got a brand new Ford pickup truck at a hundred thousand dollars, and then didn't play, played one snap at Ohio state and transferred to Texas, drove his new car to Texas. I mean, there, there really aren't any rules anymore. You can give these college kids boosters can give these college kids anything they want. 
Is that a big baseball thing, though? I mean, I know that's what I'm asking. I'm not sure if it's oh, okay. gonna if it'll yeah. filter yeah, down know. to baseball I mean, I, like it is in football and basketball. I could yeah. see in you know some of the you, you mentioned Vanderbilt, yeah. just places where baseball is sort right. of the, the, the king sport in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, could it have an effect? Sure, I think it, it could. You know, I think that um, Vanderbilt is always you know I, the thing that's interesting is that the schools that had pull over players from signing mm-hmm. would be the ones that would be in that position to be able to offer those right. kinds of things. So I don't know if it helps <clears throat> it that much. Like if a kid is committed to Vanderbilt, there's already like a pretty high price tag and right. you know, you may not, you know, university of Virginia, Stanford, whatever it is, uh, especially ones that, that are a little more, um, you know, also academically fo- focused, yep. you know, yep. nowadays, you know, if you hear a kid is committed to Stanford, you're all, you almost automatically know, well, we're not going to be able to sign them for, you know, a slot value in mm. X amount of time. And so mm. I, I don't know if it would sort of sort of swing the pendulum too far. Um, you know, this is an extreme hypothetical mark. Yeah. So I'm yeah, kind oh, of, yeah, absolutely. Is. Yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm kind of guessing. I guess we're gonna have to wait and see yeah. uh to see if the the sort of freedoms now that come in the college game will have any impact on on baseball it'll be interesting to watch hey, let's let's shift go years back to the rockies now and talk about some of the individuals in the rockies farm system that uh, you mentioned zach Veen, the outfielder the high school kid uh, another another intriguing prospect given their pathetic history of drafting catchers over the years uh, is drew romo and i mean i don't know how close you think he might be uh, is he the real deal can he become the first impact catcher the rockies have ever drafted Willie McIver is very upset with you right now. I'm kidding. So um, is Chris. So is Chris Ionetta, But come on. Yeah, I was gonna say, how far do I want to go back? Um, All the way to the beginning. I mean, they're yeah, it's, it's not very good. hard. And you know, the the funny thing is about Drew Romo. Like, I'll, I'll start with sort of a general sense that um, high school catching is almost as risky as high school pitching. Not so much in like you know the injury, like, but how hard it is for those guys to get to the big leagues. Now, some of them right. get there and they're like they become stars. What makes Drew Romo so interesting is, to me is that are the, the catch and throw skills are already there. Uh, he's very advanced in that regard. And then in his first season, he, I think he swung the bat better than people thought he would right out of the gate. There's so much to learn to go from high school catching to the pro game, you know, to, you know, calling pitches and, you know, working with your staff. I mean, there's so many responsibilities. I think people don't necessarily realize it's, I think that's why you see guys, if they can swing the bat really well, they get moved. Um, You know, Will Myers uh, caught for a year in the minors and then they moved them, you know, so guys like that. But I think Drew Romo has a really good chance to be a very good impact player. Uh, I am a believer. Um, You know, we haven't put out our top 30, you know, this year yet, but he, he will make a nice move up the list. Um, you know, he may just have, he may be a one station at a time just to get him enough reps, but you know, if he, if, if he's continuing to swing the bat, well, you know, could he play across two levels this year? Then suddenly you're talking about getting him there a little bit faster than maybe, but I think his all around skill set is very, very interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if at this time next year, he's one of the best, you know, one of the better catching prospects in baseball. Is that, um, again, is that, is that how much of that 
you, you, you talked about the catcher, the issue with the high school catchers and as far as like handling pitching staff and all the kind of, I guess, for lack of a better word, what you would call intangibles that don't show up in the, in the uh, statistics. Where is he on that? In the intangibles? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say You're asking me to measure the immeasurable. Yes, exactly. Well, um, and, and so we last week, last week on this podcast, we talked all about catchers mm-hmm. and the fact that as to why a lot of them peter out and, 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 you know, and we had Tracy on and he said, he, t- he gave us some stat about how, so it's not just the Rockies, a lot of organizations have mm-hmm. had issues with, you yep. know, drafting and then developing mm-hmm. catchers. Um, and we, and, and a lot of that was, was attributed to the idea that, there's so much more that go kind of alluding to what you just said. There's so much more that goes into it than just, you know, the catch and throw and the, you know, all, all of that. Right. So his intangibles are off the charts. I mean, they, you know, pitchers already love throwing to him. He's got natural leadership skills. Uh, I mean, he, he checks off all those boxes, you know, you know, but he's also only done it at a very low, you know, low level. So right. you'll sort of see, he, he has all the skills necessary for him to be a big league regular, but yeah, okay. I mean, here in I Pittsburgh, probably should have asked it that way because yeah, he's not yeah. a guy you move down the road. Uh, right. No, no. Um, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, it's like here in Pittsburgh before they took Henry Davis in last year's draft, they didn't, they didn't have a catcher in the top 30. They traded for one when they traded, uh, when they traded somebody, the three-way trade, they got Andy Rodriguez from the, the Mets and he's intriguing, but he's far away. So now they have like a couple of some sort of interesting catching prospects, but before that it's been a couple of years before there was even anyone in their top 30 period, wow. they had like zero catching depth. So um, it, uh, but you know, I, I should remind people that just because a guy's not ranked high, doesn't mean they can't, become big leaguers and sure. successful especially at that position because yeah. of some of those intangibles and and what a team is is looking for maybe you, you don't need that guy to hit that much right um that doesn't happen too often these days the rockies wouldn't mind a hitter um yeah, yeah I, I, <clears> you know, it's, it, it's you know some it also depends on how the rest of your your lineup is constructed right if you have a, a shortstop who hits 35 homers then maybe you can take a little bit of a hit offensively behind the plate if you have a guy who is going to handle your staff but I think Drew Roma has a chance to to be solid on both on both sides. Mm. Uh, well, that's that's very good news. Um, is there anybody who's not on forty man roster <clears throat> who you could see making an impact on, for the Rockies in twenty two or maybe in twenty twenty three? Pitchers, position players, whatever. Are we who are we who are we overlooking? I'm looking. I'm looking through. My Silence list. is deafening, Manny. <laughs> I, you know there are some of the, there are some arms. I mean, as, as much as I was saying that they've had trouble, you know, the guys that could, you know, like I could see like a guy like Chris McMahon um, moving pretty quickly just because he's got such an advanced feel for pitching. Now he's never going to be a top of the rotation kind of guy, but I think he can, he can really pitch. Um, I think uh, I'm trying to think who else, uh, you know, most of the other guys are kind of far away. Um you know, and, and there were some question marks. I mean, the one guy that I'm really intrigued, he's not going to get to this year is Ezekiel Tovar. Um, That's Manny's guy. Cal uh, the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I saw him in the fall league and it was kind of what you would think for a guy that young who had just you know been an a ball. Uh, you saw him one day and it looked like he didn't belong. And then the next day he'd go three for three with a Homer, but throughout, 
he played major league caliber defense. He could play, he could play shortstop for the Colorado Rockies tomorrow defensively. Wow. He wow. just, uh, he moves so well. His instincts are great. His feet, his arm, like all of that works. Um, now I saw him a very small sample, right? So I don't know if he's one of these guys where, you know, he rushes on routine plays. I saw him make every single play when I, when I saw him. And I think the bat is going to come, you know, they, I, I, I like what the Rockies did. They, you know, they p- pushed him up to high a, he struggled a little bit. And then they said, no, keep going. We're going to go to the fall league. And he took some lumps, but he also, I think, showed that he belonged. So I, I think that, um, you know, he's a guy to, to watch. I don't think that he's going to race to the big leagues tomorrow. You know, let's let him play high A, but could he end the year this year in double A? And then you're talking 2023 is in the big leagues at what, 22? I'm not looking at how old he is, like, but he's super young. So um, I think that would be a best case scenario. And he's a guy who I think has got a, at least in my mind, a, a big up arrow next to his name. Mm. Well, for an organization that, again, predicates itself on draft and develop, draft and develop, um, do, you see them, do you see a need for them to go out and make trades with anybody they have now to acquire more draft picks? Are they going to spend more focus on draft and develop? Should they? Or do they need more high-end prospects based on the fact that you guys say they're, they're – Farm system's bottom heavy right now. Well, you can't really trade for draft picks yet. So, um, you know, or young prospects. I'm sorry. Right. Um, some of it, you know, depends on what they have to, you know, to, to offer and where they <clears> think <throat> they are uh, in terms of how close to competing, you know? So one of the things you know, uh, I'll sort of pivot back to here in, in, in Pittsburgh uh, that they recognize that they were not going to win anytime soon. So when they made these trades, they were not afraid to go get, the guys who had yet to play full season ball or the guys who were in low a and, you know, or, you know, or, or maybe about to touch the upper levels. Some of them have turned out to be better than, you know, I think than anyone expected. So it was a good job on the pro scouting side. Um, I, you know, so I, I don't know that there is like one right way to, 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 to go about it. I think mistakes sometimes can be made when you think, Oh, let's only try to get, guys who are in triple a so they can impact the big league club right. you know to me and, and on that topic too as well jonathan there, a lot of a lot has been made of the rockies maybe not quite aligning with maybe reality of where they are in terms of, of yes. uh, competing in the national absolutely West. and the fact that that has we won't we're not going to mention names here but that, that uh, players or whatever but that that has cost them in the prospect department because they would not be willing to let go yep. of, yeah. of current um, you know assets. what that, but that that's happened in so many times you think about those phillies teams and they held on to jimmy rollins for too long right. and, yeah. and yeah. ryan howard like they, they they thought the window would stay open for longer until all of a sudden they're like oops and then they yep. couldn't get good return it happened yep. here even to to an extent even though guys you know it's like in like, door like here a little 15 bit. six like in 16 17 yeah like that. so yeah. you know uh I don't think they waited too, too long. I think they thought they had another year that they were going to be competitive and they, you know, they just, you know, yep. when, when you're not, you know, the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers and you have endless supplies of financial resources, um, that cycle can be pretty short. 
And yep. if something goes wrong, then that's it. You're done. There's no margin for error. And I think mm-hmm. that's what ha- that's what's happened in a lot of places. So yes, I can I can see that that you, know, you wait too long and then you're not getting what maybe you could have. Um, and then you're stuck in where the Rockies are, where it's like bottom heavy, you know, prospect, you know, top prospects are at the bottom of, and, and, and your current, your current roster is not necessarily anything to write home about. Right. Well, so, I mean, that's kind of what the, the pirates were looking at, you know, in, 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 and maybe the Rockies should look at it the same way at a certain point in time, I think you have to kind of look at it and say, all right, well, we're not going to be competitive. So let's just exactly. get the best players. Exactly. Period. So if they're lower level, that's fine. I've seen the opposite where there are times where, you know, they, well, we need, especially because listen, it's a results oriented game, right? So if you're, if you're the one signing the checks and the buck stops with you, if you're a general manager of a team and you know that clock is ticking, uh, it's hard for you to sure. not try to get for the quick, get quick fix. Just by the same token, point. you may want to push for that safe college pitcher who throws a lot of strikes because boy he's going to get to the big leagues in a hurry right. look we got that guy to the big leagues in a hurry he, he may not be all that good but you know um i, I just think another that point in your favor for the gm in other words right so. yeah the, the quick fix can be the worst enemy um and, and unfortunately uh sometimes gms aren't around to see the results of their their labor yeah. it when it comes to the, the sort of lower levels or being aggressive in the draft <clears> or whatever whatever it is um you know so uh, like, that's why I think, you know, to the original question, like, I, I don't know that there's a, a right or wrong way to do it. I think you have to kind of look to see where you're at, at, at all levels. Uh, there are teams that now are bottom heavy and then, then look for upper level guys just so they can fill in. So there's competition. Right. And that, that is another thing. If you have like, if I'm the Rockies right now, and there's some really exciting talent kind of pooling now at the bottom and you're able to bring in some guys at double a, who now have the younger guys behind them pushing them? Good competition. Yeah, you if you have guys yeah. young, young for their level and things like that, and, and you know, having competition within your system makes better players once they get to the big leagues. Yeah, Just real quick, sense. number one prospect Zach Veen. You mentioned him a little bit. Um, can you expand a little bit on what you like like about him because he is the number one prospect in the system and. He's, you know, what is he, 6'4"? He's got a nice swing from the left, left side. What is it that makes him a guy that you feel like could end up projecting to be a guy that, that could be an impact player at the big league level someday? I mean, it, it, this is uh, kind of a slam dunk, so I appreciate mm-hmm. uh, that. But, you know, I mean, this is a guy who, <laughs> yeah. who narrowly missed finishing, what, 300, 400, 500, you know, with a slash line. That doesn't happen very often in the minors in his first full season. He is just, just figuring out his power um okay. you know that you know that's often the last thing to come anyway the thing that mm-hmm. i really like about him is that he didn't try to sell out for it you know he's got the frame where he could he probably could hit 30 homers but you know he might have his his, his you know sort of ancillary strikeout to walk numbers and things like that would have taken a hit his batting average which isn't be all end all you know i i understand that but this is a guy who knows how to hit worked on becoming a good hitter and the power started to come. Oh, and he can run. You know, I think, you know, I think he ends up, you know, in a corner, probably right field. Um, could you put him in center? Sure. I mean, but I think there's probably going to be someone better by and large, you know, in, in any given year. And he's, he'll slow down a touch as he fills out that frame. But he's going to be that kind of athletic right fielder who's going to hit. I've started to get a, bu- uh, a bunch of Christian Yelich comps. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So okay. because of that all around tool set, and you know, Yelich when he was coming up, he the, the, that power wasn't there. He was just a, yeah. he was just a hitter. I saw him in high school, and he was slapping the ball. The other, he was like Ichiro. He was slapping the ball the other way. You know, um, so I think that you know he has the chance to become a really exciting, close to five tool player. Wow. Hey, uh, Johnson, we really appreciate staying up late with us tonight and being, being on the podcast. We got to run here really quickly, but we'll keep our eyes on, on, I guess, the future of the Rockies. The, the, the distant future is better than the near future. Yeah, you may have to wait a little while, but okay. uh, okay. there's, some, there, there's right. some intriguing things to keep an eye on. Uh, hopefully with, a, with a, a, a scouting guy as your general manager now, the, scout, the draft and develop thing gets better and, and starts working. Hey, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks Take care. Me. Talk to you again soon. Manny, you got a closer for me? Yes, sir. On the other side. We'll be back with Manny's closer right after this. Stay with us. It's the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Today's edition of The Closer is dedicated to former Major League pitcher and current podcaster extraordinaire, Mark Knudsen. Someone recently tweeted out a video clip of Hall of Fame slugger Frank Thomas's first career hit, which came against the Brewers at Milwaukee's County Stadium on August 3rd, 1990. The opposing pitcher was none other than Knutson, who just the year before had turned in a 3.35 ERA over 123 and two-thirds innings, mostly out of the bullpen for Milwaukee. When your first big league hit comes off a guy like Knutson, you know you're on your way to a great career. In fact, I think uh, the first career hit is mentioned on Frank Thomas's Hall of Fame, Fame plaque just for the fact that it came off of Knutson alone. The hit turned out to be a triple. It caromed off the right field wall away from a leaping Rob Deere enabling Big Frank to motor all the way around to third base. After that first career hit, Thomas had 11 more triples the rest of his 19-year Major League career. But let's get to the really important element of this game, which the Brewers ended up losing 6-2. Knutson threw six scoreless innings against Chicago, but gave up a three-spot in the seventh. His lineup gave him one measly run of support on a Mike Felder sacrifice fly in the second. Knutson's line was seven innings, three runs on five hits, no walks, and two strikeouts. He got the quote-unquote loss in the game, and he'd probably tell you that he should have pitched better. Yeah, three runs in seven innings isn't stellar, but it also isn't terrible. That's awfully close to hashtag kill the win territory, if you ask me. I think Knutson has plenty of reason to join the kill the win club for that start alone. What do you think? He just had to go there, didn't he? That's Manny's closer, and that's a discussion for another podcast, I suppose. For now, we'll put this episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast in the books. Our thanks to MLB.com's Jonathan Mayo for being our guest, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.